keyboard and drums and all the other things. All right, winemaking 101 part two is where we're at right now. Uh, and where we left off is we talked about, of course, the first part of winemaking and the most important wine, part of winemaking is the grape itself. And we got all the way through of all the different processes and different things that, that uh, 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 a tender, a gardener would do to take care of a wine. And, of course, the gardener is the Lord. And I guess I get I'm his assistant or I tie the vines or whatever you want to call it. I'm his laborer, as, as many of us are laborers. And we talked about that process, and we came to the thing is that the best grapes, though, are used for wine. What the best grapes are the ones with the highest sugar level. Uh, the best grapes are the variety that are the sweetest and the very, very best. The other ones are used for table grapes. And I said at that particular point that there, there are some people that are called to be table grapes. But there are other people that are actually called to be wine, and some are called to be fine wine. And I believe that it's many of us, if not all of us here, at one time prayed this prayer. Lord, whatever you want, whatever it takes, I'll be used any way you want. You've got me. And if you prayed that, then God has been known to take those type of prayers and take them seriously whether you met him or not. It kind of reminds me of the, uh, of the you know, the... Uh, the movie uh, Matrix, you know, I should have taken the blue pill, you know, <laughs> and he took the red one. There's no turning back, and it is no turning back. So if you made it through all the processes of pruning and being you're, you're restrained by the Lord and pruned by the Lord and all the things of having your fruit cut off by the Lord and all the stuff, the preparation to make the finest type of wine, then the thing comes is you're cut off from the vine. And, you're, and, you're, and, and we're looking at the grapes as the character issues in your life. The grapes are not the power. It's the grapes are really the character issues in your life of what you're being. And the first thing that happens once that happens is crushing. Not a very thing. Let's put, pick uh, slide number 10. There we go. Ready to be used for every good deed. This is the scripture that really talks about okay, you can be for ordinary use, the table Ryan table grapes, or are you going to be used for noble purposes? And it says that those that clean themselves up are going to be used for noble purposes. So, what do you think is the very first process after the grapes are cut and they're brought to a winery is what? Just before that, they're cleansed. The very, very first thing is a washing. Now, this is a many, many times of many, many different processes that have already taken place, but right now, the first thing that happens is it's cleansed as much as they can. The reason they cleanse it, they need to get the dirt off and all the bacteria off and, and some of the native yeast off there because they want to clean. And not only they'll clean that, they'll sterilize the equipment they use. Because in, in winemaking, the wrong bacteria will create a lousy wine. And so they want to get rid of all the stuff and they want to control the process. 
Now, this is all along the process we saw being restrained and tied and things cut off. And the, the thing I could say most about those processes is, is that all of a sudden you have lost control of what you want and what your life is. Life is no longer your own. Now it's a process of going through where the winemaker, and I'm his assistant, does a process of changing you and prepare you to be a fine wine. Now being a fine wine basically depends on a lot on the grape, as I told you before. Uh, the, the preparation and, and how it was grown makes the quality of the grape to be used for it. But a lot of it's done in the winemaking process. The hardest thing for a person to go through this process is that total lack of control in their life. We want to have control of our life. We want to very desperately, even if we say otherwise, really want to have the control of our life. It, unfortunately, we kind of deceive ourselves very often in it. We say, yeah, I give my life to God. I give it all to him. But then when it comes to our time, energy, and money, it doesn't all go to God. And how you take a look at really where your heart is on that is where do you spend your time at? Where do you spend your energy? And where do you spend your money? That'll tell you what's most important to your life. At this particular purpose, when you've said this to God, he's going to begin to take you seriously. He's going to cleanse you, get you all clean, to get as much of the bacteria out of the way, and then he is going to crush you. That's not a good sound, is it? But that is the call. If you've heard anything other than that, then you're misunderstanding the call of God. I mean, when it talks about Jesus, he says he's crushed. It says he's crushed for us. He's destroyed for us. He comes to the end of himself for us. So here we go. Let's go to the next verse up there. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light is gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who seek my life set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they plot deception. I am like a deaf man who cannot hear, like a mute who cannot open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. Now, of course, this is the Psalms, and this is David, and this is the man that that the set is after God's heart. And this is the process that he went through. This was somewhere in his testing, crushing process. This happened to him. This is something that will going to happen to all of us, that if we give ourselves over to God. Go to Isaiah 43, 28. I thought that was before that. There it is. Your first father sinned. Your spokesman rebelled against me. So I will disgrace the dignitaries of your temple, and I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you in the womb, and and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, who I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and will take the name of Israel. Now, I had talked about this before, but I didn't give you the verse before. The first father sinned against you, uh, sinned, or spokesman rebelled against me. 
So I will disgrace the dignitaries of your temple and will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. Now, I'm going to, first of all, this is a scripture that God gave me quite a few years back. And it was not a good scripture when I thought about it. I didn't really like this particular word. And as I began to do some study about this word, I found out it was the concept of total destruction for the purpose of God. Total destruction for the purpose of God. Now, this is the place where we had Jacob. Go to the next scripture, or next slide. Jacob, heel catcher or supplanter, thief, in other words, somebody stealing something from you. He was changed to Israel. We will rule as God. This is the scripture that uh, it was the actual changing from one person to another. This is the one we talked about that, that he assigned him to destruction. What for? So we'd have the purpose of becoming who God called him to be. Now, the destruction, if you really look up what the, the Hebrew kind of means here, the destruction means made a curse or a reproach, irrevocable giving over to God, often by total destroying them. The grape is totally destroyed when it's crushed. Everything that resembles what it looks like. And when you're turned over your life to God and you allow him to crush you, everything, the way you look and the structure and how your appearance is going to change. It's no longer the first thing that happens in that process is they take the stems off you. So that every last little bit of who you were and what you represented and where you came from is removed. And then you're crushed. But it crushed, not to crush you, just to have you crushed. To crush you, to change you from a Jacob to an Israel, so you can rule. This is the process of a fine wine. This is the process of what God wants to do with you. He doesn't, you know, he loved Jacob, but he wanted him to become Israel. And God loves you and has a desire to change you to become Israel. You know, we always say, you know, when you marry somebody, you're not supposed to marry them with the idea of changing them. But that doesn't apply to God. He married you and takes you with the idea of changing you to make you in his image to make you like you, make you like him. This process is essential. So the very, very first thing that happens, it crushed. Now, some of the grapes will roll out of there and never get crushed. And they're just trampled and thrown away. So here's this process. You're being changed for him. You hear David's crying out. I had actually three of those verses, but I'm not going to go through all three of them just for uh, time purposes. But you hear in Psalms over and over and over again the cry out of anguish as the process he's going through. So are you in that process right now? Some of you haven't got there. Some never will. Some have got there and been through it somewhere else. I don't know exactly where you particularly are, but I know that there's a process that takes place of crushing in your life if you're going to be used for the purposes of God. John Wimber says, I don't trust anybody that hasn't been tested. Crushed. He doesn't trust anybody, and God doesn't either. So this process, it's the process that Jesus had, and we are yet to complete some of the work that was done on the cross. Though it was a finished work, there's yet suffering to do as he suffered. Let's see what the next slide over that after that. So, in the crushing, we're removed from our family. We're removed from everything that we're, we're really real familiar with. We're removed and we're kept separate, and it's no longer about our individual needs, is it, when you crush? It's about what you're going to be made into. It's about the kingdom at that point. Could you say that? 
Because it's no longer about the grape. It's no longer about your individual giftedness, neatness, whatever else. It's now about the, the wine that's to be made. It's about that that you're being conformed to. So let's go to the next step. What's the next step? Fermentation. That fermentation is a process that is pretty interesting. And fermentation, 70% of it's done in the first four to seven days. What is fermentation? Fermentation is where the yeast, whether it's the natural yeast or the yeast that's injected into it, it's open to the air and begins to foam up. Most of its energy is used for reproduction. And it produces something. That yeast, with the sugar, creates alcohol. What do you think the yeast is? Yeah, but, but if we were to liken it to the process we're going through, what do you think the yeast would be? Let me ask you, so what do you think the sugar is? Hmm? You mean symbolic? Yeah, symbolic. If we're taking this as an analogy, and all analogies are not perfect, obviously, but if we're taking this as an analogy, what do you think the sugar would be of a grape? Huh? Well, let me say this. You know, when I talked about the vines being tied, they didn't like to be tied. You tie the vines because what I talked about is that they'll slap you in the face half the time when you do it. You have to cut off the ones that are bad. You know, some people are cut off because they won't allow to be conformed. And I told you they, that they put them on a vine, and the purpose of that is to carry the weight of the heavy grapes. But also another purpose is that it has an even exposure to the sun. So the grapes ripen all together, and they have an even. They don't overripen. They're not underripen. They can be farmed much better. And the more they're in the sun, the more sugar is produced. And the better they are, and the more for winekeeping. So what would be sugar? Love. What can you do with that? Okay? Sugar? Little sugar? Little love? Kind of. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. What do you think yeast is? What do you see yeast is in the Bible? Sin. So, you put a little love, deal with the sin, well, it's in your own life, and God causes a process to begin that produces alcohol. What do you think the alcohol would be? Yeah. It, 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 it's the power. That's why they call drinking alcohol false spirit. It's kind of the power type of process. So it's the process of being the love that God has in you connected with the different, maybe sentence in your life or stuff injected. Huh? Yeah, it's a fuel too. So the Holy Spirit, huh? Yes, Lord. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fuel too. We stay, a lot of times they call coffee Pentecostal plasma. Same type of idea. You know, the idea of that. So that's produced. And it's rather interesting. Sometimes they don't have enough yeast in it, and it's kind of what did. Sometimes, and sometimes people are cut off that way. They keep themselves separate. They don't allow the processes that take place in their life, and they're dead. And the wine's dead. And sometimes that, when that happens, sometimes that uh, the Lord has to, or the Lord in that case, and the winemaker in this case, injects yeast into it to cause the process to go. Because even they had a lot of love, that maybe they were cleaned up in such a way, maybe they don't have a bunch of natural yeast, and maybe they need more because they want it to happen faster 
then what happens is it creates a, a, a foaming up of the ferment. And that's kind of like, uh, I believe, if I could liken it to anything, is the stresses and trials and the stuff that take place that come into your life, along with the love you have, produce something. And in this case, they produce, uh, in David's life, you see some of the battles he went through and stuff like that, produced leadership and the things, you know, fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, long, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, all the different attributes of, of the things of God. So you see in this first ferment, fermentation, a process of change that's it's actually, it's actually fairly violent, actually foams up and all the stuff doesn't look too good, stinks a little bit. And you see the process of, of man being changed and, and the character has begun to begin in him. Uh, the Holy Spirit has begun to develop in him. And leadership, uh, courage, faith, all these type of things are begun by this particular process in their life. Then comes the second fermentation. The second fermentation is kind of interesting. You notice the first one was three or four days and 70%. The next are two or three weeks for 30% of what it is. And you notice that in our lives when we go through. You grow pretty quickly, and it has some, sometimes you have some power. Sometimes these people in the first fermentation get out there and do a lot of ministry because they have a lot of power, a lot of authority. But it's not developed the character of the wine yet. They're not being who they're supposed to be yet. There's, a lo- there's some power. There's some potency to it. But yet it's not a very good wine. And if you were to take wine like that, you might get drunk off of it, but you might get sick off of it as well. And that's kind of like the thing that you'll see in a person that has gone through the first fermentation process and hasn't got to the second one. The second one, there's more than another 30% has grown. takes a lot longer. And matter of fact, every day of the process, things slow down. Have you been through a slowdown period? Have you been through the real violent stuff and then a slowdown period and God doesn't love me anymore? Well, God loves you. He's a winemaker. You have lost control of your life. You don't have that anymore. The things are going at a different pace, whether it's fast or slow, not in your control. And that's what it feels like, not being in your control. Not something that you'd be able to have uh, uh, the, 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 the rights to make your own decision. And because you've now been crushed, you've now been fermented, and now there's a process of further fermenting going into you. And a lot of times you, you could probably get out what you would probably call cheap wine at this point. Matter of fact, if you want it quick, if they want to make some really cheap wine, what they do is they inject a lot of yeast in it, bacteria in it, cause all this process to happen really, really fast, and they, they bottle it and stick it on out there. It, it, there's nothing else. They, they filter a little bit of the basic stuff out of it and put it out there, and you have cheap wine. You have Thunderbird. <laughs> you have Thunderbird. Triple Jack or one of those. You have not had the fine opportunity to taste that. I have. In my younger days, boy, it's bad. I can tell you, it's funky. It'll get you drunk, but it's funky. And if that's your point of drinking the alcohol, and if that's your point of going after the things to get the Holy Spirit to get drunk, then it's about the same thing. You get that? If, you, if you're going after things just to get the effect of God, you can, you can go after and follow somebody and go to some neat little meeting, and they're going to they're gonna get you drunk. But I tell you what, the, the character, and you may have a headache from it the next day, and I think we've seen a few of those headaches the next day. I think we call it a hangover, cheap wine hangover. 
because the person didn't fully develop. That guy heard, man, this is hot, this has got a lot of alcohol in it, let's get it off the shelf. Highest level of sugar, though, really produces the highest level of alcohol. It's interesting. So in this process, when it's done, there's bad bacteria and there's good bacteria. And the bad bacteria has to be removed. We're going to talk about that. But when it's complete, there's no definite way of knowing exactly when it's complete. But uh, there's not some test that they do. But what happens is the, wa- the wine becomes, the mash becomes less cloudy. It begins to clear up. And that's kind of a, a form of transparency that starts to happen. And you see that in this process of people's life. A beginning of transparency. It's not real clean. You see a lot of junk in it. And you look at yourself and other Christians, you'll see people in that thing. Yeah, they, they, got the, they got some power. They got some things going. They see God in their life. But, you know, it's not really that clear. You see a whole lot of its own stuff. Because what's in that wine at that point is old pieces of skin, you know, seeds, all the different sediment. So the dirt, bacteria, the yeast cells and stuff like that. All that stuff's still in there. But it does have power. You get drunk off it. Maybe you get sick, but you get drunk off of it at that particular point. So what has to happen is when that's done, there's a thing called devatting. And devatting, what they do, it's kind of subtle. Some, some of the heavy stuff, the really bad pieces, I mean like the big pieces of skin and other seeds and stuff, kind of settles to the bottom. They pour off the wine. That's free wine, they call it. The wine is pouring off that point. It's not real clear by any means. It's not really ready for consumption, but pour it off. And then the rest of it is pressed. I think I came from the press side. It's not quite as high as quality as the other side. And it's pressed. And some of you have been felt from that press thing where you just squeezed. And the juice is squeezed out even. The, the, the old the, the organic stuff, uh, the old grape uh, seeds and all that stuff is tossed. And what's off of that? There's pressed wine. Sometimes they mix it with the other. Far from the process of what we want to be at that particular point when we have pressed wine. The next process of that is the process of, they call it clarifying and stabilizing. It's called filtering. This little process you probably have recognized too in different people's and maybe your life. It's sitting still. What happens is how they get the junk out of the wine is they allow it to sit. And the stuff settles to the bottom. Now, the stuff that also came up in, in the ferment process, and they actually stuffed it back down in there because they want to get the color and the stuff for red wine. But, this, but, the, but at this particular point, they want the junk to get rid of it. They want to be able to pull up a glass and look at it and swirl it around, see the legs on it, see kind of uh, the... Uh, go up on the side of the, uh, of the glass. And they want to be able to look through it and see a really pretty color. Through it. Pretty color. And so what happens here is, is, so the first process of that is getting the basic major organic junk out of it, where it's free from that. And that's sitting still. In this process, the bigger parts go to the bottom first. The bigger junk in your life comes to the bottom first. It's easy to get out. This would probably be something like, uh, no, I don't look at pornography anymore. Nah, I don't look at bad shows anymore. Nah, I don't test like a sailor anymore. Some of the big junk out of the way. But there's still a lot of stuff there. Matter of fact, there's still a whole bunch of stuff still left in the wine. And uh, it's a real process to get it out because they want to pull it up. The Lord wants to pull up and look through you. He wants to see through it. 
He wants people when they look to it, they see him, not you. And it's a big process to get that out of there. You may be fair spilled. You may have a lot of things going. But to get you out of the way, so when they look through it, they see red all the way through. And they don't see particles floating around there. Can you imagine looking at a glass of wine, looking at all particles? I don't think you'd drink it. You know, unless you were me, like as a kid, you might. <laughs> Foolish. Okay. So what they do is they get rid of excess protein, potassium, dirt, yeast, bacteria, tissues, uh, all settles at the bottom. Bigger ones first, smaller ones later. First filtering. Wine's poured off again. Then there's a further filtering that happens. Now this is for uh, things like orchidic compounds, haze, bitterness, excessive uh, astringency. That's the legs. That's the real kind of, when you taste it in your mouth and you feel that stuff kind of coats your tongue. That's desired. Too much of it's not desired. There's a certain balance that God looks for, and he deals with us as well. It's really the clinginess of it. God wants us to be family and cling together, but he doesn't want us to be, oh, my gosh, I need you because I can't breathe. You know, so excessive clinginess, he removes. The normal clinginess that causes us to be a family, to get together, is remains at this particular point. So they begin to filter the stuff out to to get the desired character, the color, the tannins out and stuff like that. Uh, now, the really fine stuff, there's two ways of getting it out. Three ways. Two of one. One of the fine ways of getting out is they electrically charge things. And what they do is they find the particles in here that are so fine that this, they're suspended in the wine that they can't settle out. They can't get it out for unless they're going to allow it to settle for a really, really, really long time. It's called aging. But those, those things that are in that wine are there. They, they're there. So what they do is they find negatives attract. So if something's, they send agents in there that if something's positive, they send a negative agent that clings to it and it sinks to the bottom. God will send things into your life that cause you to do the same thing. It'll cause you to be able to be attracted to some way, and that that junk in your life will fall to the bottom. Or he'll use another thing uh, where they use a uh, an agent that will actually be injected into the wine. It's called finding that puts it in there that actually consumes it. In other words, you may be out there. There's maybe something in your life, and God will figure the best way to deal with that is to have you go out there and help the poor, and do that. And in the process of that, it consumes the negative thing in you. So he may use one of those two different ways of doing it. Or he may, like I say, make something by the Holy Spirit, charge it a certain way. That's to gets the bottom cleaned out. Because the idea is he wants nothing but the wine in there. He wants no residue of the bitterness, anger, all these different things. Because all those things are part of the wine. Those are all bad products. They're, they're all uh, 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 what you would say um, negative bacteria in there. And they make a difference in the flavor and the clarity and the taste of a wine. And see, we're called to be for noble purposes. He wants to use this for really holy, holy purposes. And to do that, we have to be pure, clean, and we have to have a certain makeup to us. Now, in, so they'll get rid of all that. And sometimes in winemaking... They just do that, and then they sell it pretty quickly. Sometimes they age it, and sometimes some people will not use any 
type of agents to do it. They just take the bottle of wine and they let it sit. There's prophecies now that says he saved his best for last. There's a lot of those prophecies where certain people have been taking a long, long time to be made and a lot of time of aging. And that aging process causes the rest of those little things, particles, to go to the very bottom where they can, the wine can be poured off. And they age them in both barrels and they, and they age them in individual bottles. And you can think what that means. Sometimes it's in the body. Sometimes it's just somebody's just off by himself. They do both of it both ways. And the process is to remove the, the, all those fine particles. Because it's not just the particles for looks. It's also particles that have different tastes to them and smells to them. And those need to be removed if it's going to be drank by a master wine drinker. Somebody that is really, really understands wine. And, of course, we have the greatest master of all, God. And he knows those different things, and he can find the different things. So if they do, if they're patient enough and disciplined enough not to disturb the wine, that's a quote right out of the articles, then... then uh, Let's go. Then God will bring a new wine in, a new specialty. Now, in the aging process, the acidity and the clarity takes place. The acidity is removed and the clarity comes in it. This is what you find in the finest wines. There's another process that takes there is another fermentation that it happens in red wines, and it's making the, the smoothness of a wine. See, if you see that there's so many, many processes all the way down for God to bring about a wine that has what he would say good character and a, a, flop, uh, a proper bouquet to it. You know, character is the most important part. I Take a look at about the second to last or last uh, slide. I skipped over a bunch. Right back to that one. That one right right there. This is an article. Now remember, this is only talking about wine. But look at this article and the stuff I've talked about and see how it comes out. Go ahead and read that. A wine's character is strongly affected by wine growing or viticultural practices such as training, trellising, harvesting, and pruning. Training and trellising enable the viticulturist to control the sun exposure, to ensure the grapes ripen evenly. Grapes harvested when they are not ripe may be low in sugar and may not ferment properly. Overly ripe grapes have very high sugar content and produce wine high in alcohol. Once the vines are dormant, the viticulturalist prunes the vines to remove the dead wood. Pruning enables the grower to control the size and shape of the vines, as well as the number of buds that will develop the next year. Too many buds on a vine may stress nutrient availability, reducing the quality of the future harvest. See, this, this is, of course, talking about wine. But if you take a look at it and take an understanding of what we are and who we are and all the different things, you take a look at that process, and that's the process that's going on in your life. That's the process that you give yourself over to that the Lord would make you into the finest wine. See, he wants, he wants a wine that has what good character. And that's based upon the grapes and the time that it takes to grow the things. That's based upon uh, 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 the effects of, of, of the care and being allowed and being uh, willing to be trained by the, uh, by the gardener. 
And, and the process, the bouquet is usually determined by the winemaker. Will you allow the winemaker to remove in you the things that are not beneficial to the taste of the wine? Will you allow, will you give up and allow the winemaker to remove the things that you may think that are good, that are not necessarily good for the overall process? See, we don't understand the process we're going through. The reason I use this is, again, like I say, when I had, my kids were small, we didn't have uh, VCRs and stuff, I used the mirror to say, here's the beginning of the trip, here's the end, here's where you are. You need to be able to know where you are in the process. I don't know where all of you are. I know where a lot of you are in the process. And I know I've been slapped in the face a few times by trying to tie the vine so you could produce the proper grape that God, God wants to. And I know people have gotten mad when, when I've dealt with different areas in their life and, and you've gotten mad at God when God deals with different areas of life. You see, when you say, I want to use for higher purposes, you're saying, I don't want to control my life anymore. What does that look like? Well, I'll give you probably the easiest to look at. You know, I went from making one heck of a lot of money, at least in my book, you know, 350 a year, down to making nothing. I like 350 a year. I do not like nothing. Part of the process in my life. It used to be, if I wanted something, I didn't pull money out of the bank. I didn't have to borrow it. I just put it out there, put it was in the checking account and buy it. I don't care what it was. I can't do that anymore. I want to replace the carpet in my house right now. It's 11 years old, stained from, from guests coming over and spilling stuff on it. I can't do it right now. I want to replace the road in front because it has holes in it, but I can't do it right now. Now, we don't think of that as cost. We think that things aren't going well for us, we aren't making money, but it is cost of the gospel. It is cost to sit there and say, okay, if I was in the driver's seat, I would spend my money, my time, making money and doing these things. But since you're in the driver's seat and you're saying, don't do it, stay still and go out there and do the ministry I'm telling you to do, I'm doing that. That's the cost to me. The other cost of it is my wife's very mad about not having all the stuff she would like to have. And I spoiled her that for years. She doesn't like that at all. We were laughing the other day. We walked out of this, we went to the store. On our way to J.C. Penney's for buying some sales item. And to our right was Nordstrom's, which was our normal shopping spot a few years ago. And there was no thought. It didn't matter if it was on sale or not. We could go there and buy it. We're looking at J.C. Penney's, and we'd better find a good price there. It was 75% off. Sounded good. We were there. <laughs> but those are costs that we don't normally think of as cost of the gospel. But they are. They're, they're, they're things that we do a business, and the business doesn't work out the way we want. And we get angry at God and we call down, oh, God, it's this. And it, it may be the enemy stealing it from you, but it may not be. You know, the yeast, you know, the devil's around for a purpose. If he didn't serve a purpose on this earth, the Lord would remove him. No question about it. He serves a purpose in the winemaking. He's the yeast that it's impossible to develop the things that God wants to with us without it. I know that as a fact. I remember one of the time back in uh, Orange County uh, when things were going really, really well. And I had, things had been going bad for a while. And I said, God, why don't you just give me some time of just rest and peace and nothing go wrong. And he was good enough to give it to me. He showed me what it was like when everything went right. I did not grow an inch in the Lord. 
And I went after God with all my heart. I really did. I paid attention. I knew what he was doing. And I was going to show him wrong. I was going to still grow. <laughs> but the only thing that grew is my heart cold. Without the trials and tribulations in your life, without the fermentation that God's doing in your life, you will not grow. Won't happen. You can learn about God. You can, you can talk to Him. You can have a relationship with Him. You can have the presence of God on you. But you will not grow. It is the process of that that makes you grow, the trials. Look at David. Now David, he's our poster boy. He really is the poster boy for becoming who God wants us to be. And there, as a child, when he's tending the sheep, he fought lions and bears. So I would have to say, and he killed them with his hands. I'd have to say that he had some faith. Okay? So he had that process worn down by then. You know, he had some power. Right? And he went and fought Goliath. I think he had to have some faith to do it. But why did God have to send him out to have the king try to kill him for years and years and years? Why did God send him where he had to go run and hide in caves? Why did God make him go into total exile where he had to leave the country? Why? Because the character things had not been taking place yet. Power and some of the leadership had begun to take place. But I put it to you that his leadership ability, his character, the stuff that caused him to carry on. You know, another thing about wine I didn't mention to you. If you have grapes, they're going to rot. Wine can be kept for years and years and years. It's a preservative. It's, it, it, it goes on. So they be kept. And when David says, you know, uh, in, in Psalm, he says, I know you aren't going to abandon me to the grave. He didn't. He made wine out of him. <laughs> and that's the process that we're in. That's the process in if we allow him to do what he wants to do. But it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. If it looks the way you think it's going to look, that means you're in control and you're God and he's not. Do you get that? It's not the look way. If you know, I always thought about, you know, if I maybe don't feel good or sick or this, that. If it was, you know, out being suffering for Jesus, being persecuted on the street, at least it would feel good. But yeah, it would have had a reward probably with it too. God uses other processes to develop us that are not like you think. You know, the hardest thing in the world for me to understand is whether it's just the enemy, and I find it's usually not because God's a lot stronger than, than the enemy. So... If I'm having a lot of stuff going wrong and, and, and things are going out the door and I don't have any money and stuff, it may be the process of God's doing something with me. We're talking about my son. I have a, a, a sister-in-law that is uh, a pain, to be kind. And um, she did some bunch of things, and we were talking about it. I said, but it's interesting that this had to happen to my son just before his wedding. Why? Because God wanted to do something with my son. She did stuff that was totally outrageous. No reason to, 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 you could ever think of. But what, why did it happen? Was there a devil that's that much stronger than God? No. Because God wanted to refine my son. He cares more about his move to maturity, becoming a fine wine, than his personal comfort. Get that. God cares more about who you're going to become than your personal comfort. Your personal business, your ministry that you're going to make all this money to give to God. I've seen that too many times. I've learned that the hard way lately. Then he does. He cares about the character. 
Your ministry, your thing, your, 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 is your thing. And stop asking God to bless your thing. Get doing what he's doing. The hardest thing, the wrestling job I've been doing recently is we're after reading this book that uh, Elizabeth gave us. And that's the thing of the wrestling between success and how I look in success and what God said to do. It's really hard to do when you've tasted success and done things well and had things go really well for you. To not. It's really hard when he's saying, this is what I want. And it stinks. It doesn't happen. The way, it does not go the way I want. Not at all. And this, what I know, in the past I've been successful at everything I did. Because I did. I was successful at most everything I did. And now I don't see success at all in my life. Where I would judge it by the world. But in God's way of judging, I'm highly successful because what? I'm obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's not what you do. It's not the outcome. It's doing what he says to do. We have to be wine to do that. We have to submit to the process of becoming who he, who he says it is. When do we yell and scream and say, Satan, you're bound and all that junk? There's some times to do that. You bet there is. <clears throat> it's a heck of a lot less than you think. It's a very small part of the time. I don't see Jesus doing that. Nor do I see the apostles doing it. I do not see it in the scriptures anywhere. I, I, I've taken a look. I and mean, I haven't sat there and tried to find everything. But I've ran them through my mind many, many times. I don't see that. But in church today, I see that as a normal action. The normal way of going. When you take the non-norm and make it the normal way to go, I tell you what, something's offbeat. Something's wrong, something's out of balance, and somebody's missing. And it ain't God. It's you. So... When do we know and we're being molded in a process that is very uncomfortable and we don't like and it's ugly to our every human nature being crushed, having the impurities taken out, all that stuff that I'm talking about. When do I know when it's that and when do I know when it's call out? Wish I had the answer because I don't. I really don't. I, I'm, I'm fighting with that. But there's a process in that that we all have to fight in that. But you see, the process of that, oh, those many different processes going on, in wine, comes up to the bouquet or the complexity of the wine. In us, it comes up to the bouquet, the aroma of us, and the complexity of who we are. You know, here I've always wanted, I really believe my job is to come under and help people come and do what their calling is. My particular calling is to become is gatekeeping. That's not yours. Some of it may be. Some of you may be. If it is, great. Do it. But some of yours is dream interpretation. I want you to do that to the fullest. Some of you is feeding the poor. I want you to do that to the fullest. Some of you is healing the sick. I want you to do that to the fullest. I don't want you to do what I do. I want you to do what you're supposed to do and you're called to do. And it's only the settling of time when the junk gets out of the way and it's not for the wrong motives that you end up doing what you're called to do. That's what I want you to do. That makes us a much more complex body in the way God's designed us to be. We aren't all supposed to be eyes. We aren't all supposed to be ears. We're supposed to be body of multiplicity of parts. That's what we're called to be. Process is hard and, and, and costly. 
I find this process much more costly than I want to do. <clears throat> I, pos- I call this process death. You know, if you were to look in the scriptures and take out dying to self and put the word failure, you would probably find pretty close to pretty accurate move all the way through. Because dying to self is failure to the world's view. It's failure the way the world looks at us. Remember what he said about David? He says, they look at the outside, I look at the inside. It ain't about what you do and you, the manifestations that you see around you. It's about what's on the inside of you. That's what God's looking at. That's what God wants to make. He wants to make us into a people that are tuned into him, that will do what he says, no matter what it looks like, whatever the cost is. That is a, that is a wine that is way, aged well, that the impurities are removed, useful to the master. You know, when they're aging wine, they go a couple times a week. Pull at it, pull a sample out, look at it, see the clarity, and taste it, smell it, and see it. And that's what God does with you on an ongoing basis. And because we're not being used the way you think you should need to be used, and the, the great calling, the biggest thing that I see is I find seven-week-old Christians, not to mention one-year-old, two, five, six, seven, all think they're finished high products. And we aren't. We're just in process. He may take us out and sip us from now and then to taste us and see how we're doing. But we're in process. We're in process. Because he wants to look at us and see clarity. He wants to look, you know, one of the examples I give a lot of time out of a book I read once is about how God sees us. He looks through a red piece of glass, or in this case a red glass of wine, and sees everything red because he sees his son, sees the purity of it. That's what we're to be. And when he looks through us, and people look through us, they see his son. They see everything sanctified, seen pure. Because one of the things processes here was to be clean. In winemaking, the process, they don't take the yeast out right away. Sometimes we try to pull everything out at the wrong time. It's the winemaker that knows the timing. It's the winemaker that knows what area of your life he's dealing with. It's the winemaker know when it's time to do this and time to do that. If you think you do, you're in his way. If you get out of his way and trust him to bring about the things in the seasons and times, because all this is based upon a certain timing and a certain maturity of the wine. And the higher the sugar level, more alcohol, and the longer the process takes. The higher sugar level, more process. There's another interesting thing I forgot to mention, too, and you'll, you'll find the relating to this. When you take yeast and the sugar, which makes the alcohol, you know what alcohol does to yeast? Kills it. The process is set up to take care of itself. God will do. So the process of the, the sugar and here's this yeast cells and like that, what kills it? Why it doesn't keep on growing and being, and being is because once the alcohol is made and that's when the, the changes are made in your life, it kills off the other because he set it up that way. Father, we love you. We love what you're doing in our life. 
And we say yes to the process. We say yes to the things we don't understand. We say yes to the, uh, the pain and suffering that you call. Father, we say yes to everything. Yes and amen. Father, help us move that yes from our mind to our heart. That we be willing to lay down our lives for you. We're willing to lay down our time, our, our families, our livelihood. Everything, all thing to do what you're doing when you're doing it. Father, and let us not make any uh, ideas that we think are right and go about what we think we know. But let us be truly dependent upon you. And show us when, it's, when we're, we're sitting down when we should be standing. Then when we're standing, we should be sitting down. Show us that process. Cause us to know your voice your, uh, uh, as you speak to us, that we would become everything that you want us to, and called us to be. Father, I pray in my own life and everyone here that, that we would become fully everything you've called us to be. If it's of the finest of wines, with the best aging, the best bouquet, the best character, the best legs on it, all the stuff, all the stuff you called us to be, let us become that. Let us not get away in the process. In your holy name we pray. Amen.